Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember... Welcome to the Painters Project podcast. Today we have Steve, who has contacted us because he listens to our podcast and he has been following Victoria Cullen from A Touchy Subject and he has a very unique way of dealing with the stress of prostate cancer that he wanted to share with everyone. So we're really excited to speak to you today, Steve, and it's nice to meet you because Joe and I haven't met you before. So thank you for reaching out to us and saying you wanted to be on and you've been waiting very patiently because we you worked out at our 100th episode. So Oh, wow. Yeah. There so, you go. Well, 120 now. 120. Yeah, there you are. Yeah. Thank you very much. I just wanted to say firstly thank you to you guys. You it's your podcast is just beautiful and um I know that there's so many guys out there who get so much uh, out of it. So um a personal thanks from me because you're just one of those little bits of the puzzle that fit together. Um, that allowed me to get back to where I am today. So it's fantastic. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. I got a little tear in my eye when you just said that. Oh, <laughs> it, there it you means, go. It means a lot. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, that, that uh, they're all little pieces. They're all little puzzle pieces. But um, yeah, I remember hearing your first. I remember hearing your podcast a little while ago. Probably about. I was probably about six months into my journey. And it just made such a difference to me. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Except for the terrible sound we had in the first nine episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were a and a nurse trying to pretend we were podcasters. Yeah, yeah. No, you did all right. You did well. That was now we're right. podcasters pretending we're nurses and physios. But anyway. it was the, yeah, it was the message that was so important. So the sound didn't really matter a whole lot, believe me. Give me so, another tear. <laughs> so, Steve, just, so before we go into how you cope with this, give yeah. us a rough rundown of your diagnosis and then how you felt when you got it and, and where yeah. you are now. 
Okay, so 56 at time of uh, diagnosis back in December 2020 was my surgery. I had a RRP, so did all the infest. So sorry, I got I got diagnosed in about October. Um, it, my PSA was not a real high reading. I think for uh, my age, the reference rate from the doctor was something like 3.7, and it hit 3.7. It hadn't raised ridiculously over that period of time uh, or the previous uh, couple of tests. Um, so I went to the doctor and he just said to me, he said, oh, look, we can, you've hit the reference rate. I think we probably could either wait or another six months we'll do another test. And um, my father had prostate cancer and my younger brother had prostate cancer who lives over there in Perth. Um, and he, he had his surgery in March before, the March before my diagnosis. Um, and I got home and my daughter, who was studying medicine, said to me, she said, Dad, well, why don't you just get a referral? What's, why, do you, why are you waiting? Why don't you just yeah. get a referral? What harm's it going to do? Um, and I said, yeah, you're right. So I rang the doctor back and I said, look, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to wait six months. I want to have a referral. So uh, then it just followed pretty much everyone else's process. So I had an MRI and they found a, uh, a, a part in there they wanted to look at a little bit more. I uh, had a biopsy probably towards the middle of November and uh, 20th of December, I 21st of December 2020, I had my RRP. That means so it happened on so, Christmas Day. Uh, 21st, I, I was out the next day. Um, but you talk talking about Christmas. I heard someone speaking about this the other day. In fact, it might have been on an online forum, um, Facebook group or something like that, that I had my surgery on the 21st of December and I just, my overwhelming feeling was loneliness because there was no one around to help mm. a couple of years ago. There was... There was no one I could ring. My surgeon had gone on holidays. My prostate nurse had gone on holidays. I, I was just alone. So that was my overwhelming feeling um, when I had my surgery. So, yeah. interesting you say that because we actually don't do, we don't do surgeries after about December the 6th year. We want our patients to have their catheters out. No one's in hospital even thinking about that. So that's, that's an education process that we've been very aware of for, I don't know, seven or eight years, just not have people feel like that because so many things can go wrong in those early weeks. Yeah. Yeah, well, even, look, even even when I had my catheter out, which was just before New Year's Eve, I think it was about the 28th or something like that, 29th, so I had it in for eight or nine days. Um, the nurse, there wasn't a urology nurse at the hospital to take the catheter out, so I was dealing with a paediatric nurse. Um, and she took, it, she took it out. For a long time. <laughs> Sorry? That would have been the biggest penis she'd seen for a long time if she was carrying that <laughs> pediatric. No, thing. no, believe me, believe me, it wasn't. It had somehow shrunk along the tube <laughs> that was stuck up there. So, so tell um, us, when you first got your diagnosis, you've got a family history of it. So, did you feel yeah. anxious or did you feel like this is okay? Because I know my brother and my dad have been through this. It certainly helped. In hindsight, I certainly helped because when I look at the, when I read, I'm quite involved in a lot of online Facebook support groups and things like that, which which is where I went to for support mm. um, eventually. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, I, I hear other people talk about it, how shocking the diagnosis was and how scared they were. I wasn't scared. I was just apprehensive because I'd seen my younger brother go through it. He was 50, 
51 or 52 at the time of his surgery. Um, and I'd seen my dad, he, ha he didn't have surgery, he had radiation. Um, so it was pretty easy for me to make the decision that I made in the end. Yeah. I just wanted to get on with it and get it done sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Stephen, the content yeah. of our discussion, were you starting to write poetry then? Before? No. No, okay. no I, don't, I, <laughs> I, I still have no idea where it came from, to be quite honest. It, um, it really... It really has been a plus out of a out of a pretty um, mind blowing journey sort of thing. So, so before, I started writing. Sorry, before you talk too much about the poetry, because I want you to read some hopefully and like tell yeah. us. But then, yep. what happened then? Do you like how did you find? So you found these Facebook online forums, which I would love it if you would send me the names of them so we can put them in the show notes for other men who might want to. Sure. Yeah. And then also like. How did you find Victoria then? So it sounds like it was a bit of a lonely process. So you went looking for help and that's yeah. when you found Victoria? Yeah. So I, I actually, I was just Googling and I just was just looking for something. I was just looking for prostate support, I think. And I came up with uh, prostate support groups and I, I don't, I sort of wasn't ready to, to go to a meeting with other blokes and talk about it. I just didn't really want to do that. And I'm going to sound a little bit, Maybe, yeah, I'm going to sound a little bit ageist. I, I was 56 and I'd seen the people that were going to those um, sessions and they were all very much older men. And, and I just wondered where I fitted in there and I didn't think that I did. Um, so, yeah, I went searching online and I, I actually found atouchysubject.com and um, it turned me around. It really did. And this was before the procedure? No, this was after, after. after the procedure. So before the procedure... I was given some notes in relation to a pump. Uh, I was given a rundown of what was going to happen. But then at the period that I had it, there was nothing. I couldn't ring anyone. There was no there was no support for me. So, yeah, that's why I started looking elsewhere. And I'm glad I did, actually, because it really turned me around. So when you found, I mean, I love Victoria's YouTube channel. When you found yeah. that, like, what was it there that helped? Like the information or the fact that there were so many other people engaging in that or? Um, I think it was, I think she she offers a free online course and I did that straight away. Um, and I just, it just moved me so much. I remember, I remember the first, the first part of the lesson was um, talking talking to your partner about it and and mm -hmm. and um and trying to move forward that way and i remember i went through the first um lesson and i was in tears i was in tears because i didn't know my wife has multiple sclerosis so she's a high functioning ms um patient but um i just didn't want to put the pressure on her and i knew i knew what we had to do and i knew it was going to be uncomfortable for her so I was just in tears about, and I'm not a cryy type of guy, but I was just in tears about well, how am I going to have this conversation? You know, what mm. she, she's got to come on this journey with me, whether she likes it or not, sort of thing. You know, it was really, it was really quite moving. And then we had the discussion and we just moved on from there and it was fantastic. So I've heard you speak to other guys about how important their partners are. And yeah, very, very important. And it's surprising. I think most guys would be surprised if they open that conversation up with their partner, if they're scared to have it, that most of them are just would be right on board. And that first um, talk that Victoria does in that program, because I've done her program, because she yeah, and it really helps in like how to address that conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, 
absolutely so some ways to talk about it which is yeah 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 and other resources and stuff like that so I, I I did the course and I eventually did some paid courses through um connectable therapies which was fantastic as well too so I haven't heard of connectable therapies we'll have to check them out as well and put the link in can I just yeah yeah, yeah. I, I met Victoria Cullen in person in an in a conference in about 2015 or 16 in Melbourne. And yep. she was running a workshop and there was this beautiful English rose, more or less, mm. speaking men's language. And they all fell in love with her and so did I. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what she said was just one thing that I use in every single patient. And that was a she just drew this arrow and a timeline of where you started and where you were heading. And she gave everyone to, to do a zero, a one year and a two year. And then she said, put your date on. And at two years, that's when your sexual function is getting better. But you might only be of those 24 months, three months in. So get some perspective. It's just a yeah. really good tool because we say, I always say consonants should be right within 12 months, but 75% within three months. But mm. sexual function is one to two years plus. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I distinctly remember my surgeon saying to me, oh, you're you know, you'll have problems with incontinence and you'll have problems with your sexual function. And he said to me, it'll be somewhere between three and 18 months. Mm. And, of course, being a guy, I just said, oh, three months, that'll be me. You know, yeah. I'll be right. I've never had any problems in that area before. And when three months came around, that's when I started to sort of get, oh, hang on. Some guys are back, you know, three months. Why Why aren't I, you know? Maybe actually say it would be a miracle for anyone to have it understood. Yeah. Six months, actually. I get so sad when I hear guys tell me that because I understand that obviously the surgeon wants to be positive and not paint the picture, but I feel like it sets people up for failure. If you say, you know, most people are 18 months to two years and anything else is a bonus, then that's what you've got in your head. It's realistic. And instead of like then feeling like you're a failure, you feel like you've like a hero if it happens early. And can I say, I thought I was a failure when in in my PhD, I tried to show that incontinence would improve within three months and sexual function if you did pelvic floor. But that was not the case. I thought I was the the expert at this and I wasn't. Yeah. Because three months was too early for anyone. The nerves take... They're in shock for four to six months. Yeah, yeah. Every man would get that. Yeah. I love hearing your stories about, um, about. I think you've recently started sp- speaking, Joe, about um, the time frame yeah. of when you start doing your pelvic floors to when your incontinence should be. Yeah. Um, and that really rings true for me as well. I My surgery is booked in probably only a month after I decided that I was going to have RRP. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to do. Um, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of time to get to a physio, but the physio I saw was just fantastic. She's a Melbourne physio. Her name's no, Taffy. No, no, shout out her name so other Melbourne people can. Yeah, her name's Taffy Siade and she um, her business is called um, Interactive Pelvic Care. And I don't know um, her, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah she's really good, very good. And she... Um, I wrote a poem for her as well too. Oh, so um, a link to her as well. <laughs> yeah, please do. She's she's wonderful. Um, yeah, so she does the ultrasound and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, I only had one session. She fitted me in. I rang the surgery. Mm-hmm. In fact, that was another little thing. Back in those days, it was called Interactive Women's Pelvic Health. Yeah. So here I am sitting at the Women's Pelvic Health Centre thinking, what what am I doing here? This, this isn't going to be any good. This is for women. But they've since changed their name, which is terrific. Um, you know, I'm just going to say in 2017, 
it only become part of our profession internationally. When yeah. But New Zealanders were the first ever country in the whole world to include men in that group. And then Australia mm. came second. And the rest of the world is still fighting over it. Because mm. a lot of women's health physios don't really want to change the name to add in men. Yeah, addressing 50% of the population. So it's difficult to access the care when you don't you're you're a man and you want to don't want to go and see a women's physio, right? So it's, mm. it's challenging for everybody. So for sure. For sure. But anyway, so I I, I did I did her I did so I followed her religiously and um she got me back within I think it was about four or five months. So really yeah, it was good. It was a good well, it wasn't a good journey, but um time wise it was great. And everyone's everyone's story is so different. I mean, I was mentoring a couple of guys in December last year and um, not this year, the year before, 2021, and they went in for surgery at the same time and there's one guy who I met down the pub a, a week after he'd come out and he was on one pad, yeah. didn't think he needed it, and the other guy is looking at a sling operation now. So and that is just so different. I say the uniqueness of each person, but so long as you're improving, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And then if at any time you use your gut instinct, you feel like it's not improving or you notice the urine's got a bit of an odour in it, there's a slight sting. Don't just forget about it. Don't push through it. Go. It might be a urine infection. It could be holding up your incontinence for years. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, he, I think he had he had issues before his surgery as well with some type of bladder condition. So everybody, um, But it was just sad. Recognises <laughs> their own story. So yeah. tell us, Steve, how did Speaking they stories? Yes, <laughs> how did they come to take out your prostate and suddenly you became a poet? A poet. <laughs> uh, look, poet I, I, I asked know it. I, yes. Well, look at you. Poet. Oh, you'll have to write that one down. I am. I'm gonna call it that. <laughs> the poet who didn't, didn't know, know it. it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Look, to today I still don't know. I just um sort of it was a bit like words found me rather than I found words I I I I used to walk every day um weekends I'd do some long walks and I was just out there with nature and I just it just they just came to me you know I just started writing what I was seeing what I was feeling um how it was affecting me and I think in the back of my mind I always wait a minute our light's gone off there you go sorry go yeah it was sorry, I'm still laughing. I think that's okay. I think in the back of my mind, I was um I was always writing this down so that guys who are going to be walking in my steps didn't feel as lonely as I did. Mm. Um and and writing it down helped me move it on. So how did I how did I become a poet in this context? I really don't know. They it, it found me more than I finding it, which is quite strange. So were you kind of keeping a journal and then the words just flowed or, or what happened? The, wor the, words, the words just flow really, really easy. So I had my mobile phone and I'd be on my walks and I'd just start to take some notes. And when I was taking the notes, they were coming in rhyme. <laughs> I just don't, I can't explain it. Do you remember one of your um, first one liners that you never forget that you said to yourself, like Melissa's gem just before? <laughs> what's that? Sorry. The word that didn't know it. Can you remember one of your early, like, coupling sentences yeah I think I think that um I started writing about my my intimacy and my sexuality and how I was missing my okay. orgasm and all that sort of stuff and strangely I was out on walks when I was doing this I think because my mind was clear 
Yeah. Um, and the first one I wrote was something like, oh, the O, where did you go? You know? <laughs> That's good. Um, and and that and then oh, no, that, that mm. yeah oh the oh where we where did you go I can't remember the rest of it off the top of my head now but that was one of the first ones, um, and then and then just nature got got the better of me and I realised it was sort of like people talk about doing meditation mm. to help with their recovery and I didn't realise I was meditating but I was I was listening to my steps mm. you know the crunch 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 on the ground and the, you can use meditation as. Each time you take a step, you're calming yourself. You're calming yeah. your breathing and your heart rate. It's a very steady, steady, steady. That's like yeah, the Camino trails. Yeah. yeah, so so I found that um, yeah, all these. So so sometimes I'd walk out and I'd be. I might have had a disagreement, or someone had said something to me that I, that went the wrong way, um, and so to get it out of my head, I'd just write. I'd write it down. I'd pop it in a poem and. And Bob's your uncle, they just happened. It was quite amazing. And they're still happening now. I just sort of, they've become almost real to me. Sometimes they're obsessive. My wife gets a little bit sick of me sort of four o'clock in the morning. She'll, I'll have my phone and she'll say, what are you doing? I'll say, I'm writing a poem. You know, so sometimes it's when I'm at rest. a poet, but now she's got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's sort of when, when my mind's at rest, the words come. So, yeah, I can't write anything at work or when I'm, you know, well, I can't write when I'm driving, but when I'm occupied, can I can't write. You can record yourself, just press. This is an interesting question yeah. I have, Steve. Do you think it's because maybe the words were always there, mm. but when mm. you had your prostate cancer journey, you had to take time to breathe and be less busy, and so then they flowed? Or do you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good explanation for sure. Yeah. And I can 100%. imagine you were quite talented at writing and stuff at school like so a lot of guys don't find it easy to write an English essay but you might have found it okay yeah I, I, I wasn't I, I was year five um I didn't do VCE I was I did year five uh year 11 sorry form five um so you kind of surprised yourself by your talent I did yeah I surprised myself look I, I I probably wrote a couple of little ditties back in the day but nothing ever came to the surface after that so, so no you know, one they in were. Life would know that you actually are a poet from the person they knew before prostate no no way no no way no it's just does doesn't say and and it's sort of not um I don't know writing to me wasn't something that I wanted to pursue to be quite honest but now I do it's really changed my, my life a little bit for sure so can we have one yeah read this one yeah I just, I'll, I'll read you one, but I just want to I want to preface this, and this is one of the main reasons that encouraged me to continue with writing. So I'd written a poem probably about, I don't know, eight months into my journey, I think it was, um, and I posted it on, I can't remember where this guy read it, but I'll just read what he how he responded to my post on on the Facebook forum. And it just touched me and I thought, right, this is exactly why I'm doing this. I just need to continue. So I'm not going to say his name. And sadly, I tried to reach out a little while ago and I I, I don't know if he's still here. But, you know, and I sometimes I feel a little bit guilty about my journey because it's two years and it's only been, I only had surgery. I only had issues with incontinence and erectile dysfunction. But there's so many guys out there doing it way worse than I. Um, so I, I feel guilty that I'm okay sometimes and they're not, but anyway, this is what he wrote. So he said, um, uh, it's a bit emotional. He said, having chemo four, when I found your post, 
not really in the mood to read anyone's poetry, indeed any narratives. I'm so lucky today I stopped and truly it's a mystery as to why. I loved your poem. It lifted me instantly. I could hear the kookaburras and feel the rain. Thank you so much. And then I responded to him and then he responded back and he said, thanks is all to you. I'm in a war that I can't win, but I refuse to throw in the towel. It's funny, but you know, it's difficult to explain to our journey in words to those, to our loved ones and can be painful for them. Then I saw your poem, please forgive me, but I've taken a copy of it. I promise to keep it close. You're right about my attraction to it. It struck a chord in my soul and it's beautifully written. Mm. So when that guy who was having chemo, (laughs) Mm. it's just beautiful. And it just uh, might've been the second time I've cried in 20 years, but um, it just moved me. And I realized, well, hang on, people are getting value out of this. So why not do it? Why not continue with it? Why not just share it? So the same thing with our podcast, when we just were so frustrated because everyone said they can't hear us. We interviewed Craig Allingham with the, uh, our heads jammed against each other with one headset. No one knew. We were just stumbling so badly. But, yeah. you know, we, we managed to survive it. But, yeah. But, you know, words, um, yeah, words and nature, it's a beautiful marriage, I think. It is. I think, it is. I think knowing that you're not the only person going through something makes a big difference to anyone. Oh, huge. So huge. read us the poem that had such so sound effect on it. This is that poem that um, that had an effect on me, and it's it's actually it encapsulates a lot of my journey. So this is called "Walking the Beat" by Steve Jones. <laughs> um, I love where I live. Takes my mind off my fear. The old country roads. There's plenty in here. The sounds of the bush that sound off the track. Those dusty dirt roads. That rough old outback. My anguish subsides by the sound of the brook. Nature's beauty around, you just need to look. The frogs croak a big story deep down in their pond. The birds sing to a tune such a beautiful song. My anxiety released as I see cattle graze. Oh, nature's a healer, it has to amaze. My fear runs and hides, it takes a back seat to the sound of of my steps, just walking the beat. When rustling the leaves, a quick downpour of rain, the nature around me can take all the pain. Birds whistling in trees, dart and swoop all around. That wonderful nature just keeps me ground. The dams are now full from that sweet spring rain. Some are just around the corner. Sun will sip them again. The kookaburra laughs. Can't see him, but he's there. The kangaroo on the, on the track. Out my way, he just stare. Don't see many people as I'm taking my stride. When I do, a smile musters makes me feel warm inside. So I continue my walk, I realise that it's all not that bad when I think of the small loss of the things that I had. So much to be grateful for, so much to be had. Yes, nature's a saviour, I'm here and I'm glad. So that's Walking the Beat. That is beautiful. I can't believe someone who's never written a poem before can write that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, the reaction that I get from them is just quite amazing. So... How many have you I've written about 40 now. You're going to put them together um, in a book or something? I, I, really, I really would love to. Let's I really would love to. Let's do it. I just don't know how to do it, though. But anyway, I'll you get there. We've got lots of IT ideas. We know what we're really good if you're up, up for it. I'm sure we could tag it, um, you know, into our resources ourselves. Melissa has a lot of resources mm. on our website. Yeah. 
you can make an ebook you can actually create something that doesn't cost very much you don't have to do the whole mm. production line thing it's Patrick Lombroso my colleague who passed away of prostate sorry, yep. cancer yeah. the trilogy 50 55 and 61 he I have to do the same thing so he's um wife has collated the whole interview and I want to do that but before that he actually built a small ebook which is the top 30 questions between couples going into prostate cancer that was his part of his early PhD and it's a, a digital resource online that I've shared many times it's not even expensive mm -hmm. I've actually got I'll right. get my daughter is at the moment setting up an ebook for someone do you know Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling have you heard of Rudyard yeah. Kipling yeah yeah remind me of him actually there's a poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. And look how beautiful that is, just in that old-fashioned text. Yeah, looks lovely. Yeah, Look, I, I, I wanted to do it because I want to share it with guys. There's going to be plenty of guys walking in my steps. Um, I even thought that they could be donated somewhere to raise money if there were, if anyone wanted to pay for my writing. Well, I'll get, <laughs> um, my, I'll get my pros to help you out with that, my pros charity, because we'd love to do that for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned Patrick before, and I... I when you said I was going to be interviewed, I just wanted to thank you for those those um, those um, episodes. They meant a lot to me. And in fact, uh, he spoke about injections, mm. and he spoke about how the Italians yeah. um, do injections as their first port of call. Yeah. And I remember when I um, left the doctor, the surgeon after the first after the first review, he said, "Here's a here's a script for all your medications, and here's a script for Cavaject." Wow, and it sat tough. in my drawer for th two or three months. And as soon as I started the Cavaject or the injections, Biomix or whatever you want to use, um, I, I just felt like I turned a corner, just took the pressure off. And it's exactly what Patrick was speaking about, that and the Italians do it first up. Yes, yeah, so do the French. And the podcast, actually, our podcast is in dedication to him. A lot of yeah. my talks in dedication to him and his beautiful wife Donna and his yeah. son um, Joel and Rebecca. They they really struggled to release that because it actually recorded it five and a half years ago. They yeah. said, oh, "Well, that's why I wanted to be episode one, but mm -hmm. it's episode fifty to sixty. Um, but you know, talk about a tear in your eye every time I listen to my dear friend talking. I still learn something. Um, I'm always crying, and he's on about. Yeah, <laughs> he loved Batman. Well, your dear mate, your dear friend, your dear friend made a big difference to me. So, and that was from your podcast. So, there's another little piece. Every time I see a symbol of Batman, I think of Patrick because he identified himself as Batman, and I was his Batgirl, and his wife was Supergirl, and then she won to the Wonder Woman. But we were great mates. He's a Justice League, but you know what? His his voice just resonates. Um, yeah, he was really unwell at that time, but um, mm. He had a 5% chance of living one year and he lasted 16 months. Gee, amazing. No, they were beautiful episodes. I really enjoyed them and I can hear the passion in your voice about them. But there's little puzzle pieces. That's yeah. maybe another poem I can think about, I think. Have you got a poem about using Cavajet? Uh, a lot of my poems um, early on included. Um, Find one for us about the needle because most men feel a bit scary and scared about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote one. Um, oh, please. <laughs> um let's see if I can find something. There's there's reference to needles and pumping and needles and, and massage and all that sort of stuff in a few of my poems. So I haven't written anything specific about needling it. Um I was just trying to find one of the lines in one of the poems. That's, Dave, if you send them to me after, I'll do a little introduction and include them in it before we um yeah. Okay. 
that was a, a really emotional poem. Do you have? Do you tend to do any humorous poems? Yeah, yeah, I've done a couple of. Because um, Melissa's the humor, the humor king on the on the serious ones. So I, loved um, that poem. I thought it was beautiful, and it doesn't just talk about prostate cancer. That's it's so Australiana. Yeah, like that, you can hear every yeah. kookaburra yeah. and the frog. You know, deep in the pond with a croaker, and that yeah. apply to anybody who has any illness, not just prostate. And yeah, well, thank you. I actually looked uh, for a lovely a minister, and she goes, "Joe, are you religious?" And I said, "Oh, a bit of a complicated answer." She said, "But you don't have to look within for God. You look out. God created nature, so He's always with us in spirit. It's nature, yeah. it's legacy." And I'm like, "Well, that's the kind of religion I can totally relate to." <laughs> yeah. I wrote one about um, my wife buying a handbag the other day, but I, I can't. It's on my phone, so I can't get to it at the moment. But this is sort of like a little. So this is. Um, it was sort of kind of nice to be for myself to accept myself that hey, you can write, and you are a little bit of a poet. So I wrote a poem about myself and about that journey. And when I read it to my, I've got three um, adult children, um, which was quite challenging when I was trying to do my rehab. They all were living at home sort of thing. So that's one other thing that I wanted to mention as well. But anyway, I wrote a poem called Poet Poetic, and it's about my sort of sort of my journey, um, about now accepting myself as, a, as being able to write. So I'll read that one for you. Yeah, cool. Is that okay? Yeah, great. Poet Poetic, ready? So it's called Poet Poetic by Steve Jones. Been called many things in my life before, but a poet, a bard, I am not. My feelings, my thoughts from nowhere they come, come out of my mind like a shot, like a shot of anxiety, a shot of joy. There's even a shot of some pain. Now every time I shoot out a shot, I know from my brain it's a game. The tweet of the birds, the grunt of the roo, the chorus of croaks all around are telling me something I'm really not sure, but they're helping those lost words be found. Well then, in a contradiction of terms, I really can see that my shots have come out in a rhyme. They mingle, they muddle, they appear there as words and read one by one out in time. Well, how about that? A wordsmith, a poet. I even quite like the term bard. Maybe it's because <laughs> the nature around me shot out, out all my words like a barb. I really was fearful when my future turned bright that I'd lost all those confounded words. Well, here I am, a poet again, a poet. Oh, yes, it's confirmed. That's so, so good. And it is <laughs> kind of like a bit of a needle and a shot. Mm, yes yeah yeah what i think's interesting is i've heard lots of times where people get you know like a um transplanted heart or lung or something yeah. and they yeah. take on the persona persona or like a they get like a skill they suddenly like the taste of something they didn't like before or they yeah. suddenly speak another language and maybe they put a new prostate it's in like it. they took <laughs> the prostate and a new one and you gained something <laughs> Oh, look, I've certainly gained something. It's quite a, it's quite incredible. You know, I was in an art show in Utah in the US on a live feed um, in October this year. And, and, and to be accepted by the artist in that show as an artist myself, I'm thinking, I'm not an artist. You are an artist. Now, there's actually a very important person that we need to introduce you to. Yes. His name is Paul Kelly. From little things, big things grow. Oh, there you go. Very you, good. You could turn your, muse, your poet into a lyric. Yeah, we could. I mean, I, I actually, someone approached me and said, can I have some of these words for a um, for a song? But I've not heard back from them. So, but I'd love them to. Paul Kelly, if anyone knows Paul Kelly. Yeah, please head out to Paul Kelly. 
just, just trying to find Steve it. Jones, the poet. So Steve, <laughs> when you were in that art show in Utah, was that with your poetry? But you also do art too, don't you? No, I don't. No, I don't do art. No. That so was with no, your I'm poetry. A, just poetry. So my poetry. Yeah. There was about three artists who cho chose one of my poems and put it with their. There was three times that my poems were used with, <gasps> with wow. um, with yeah. another uh, bit of art. So, I've got a lovely friend in Utah in the US who has um cancer or had cancer herself, and she ran this show and she read one of my poems called Words Are Real, and mm -hmm. she had a, a a photographic a photograph of herself just in a clutched position, just desperate. And with all these different words all around her, and that was her piece of art. Yeah. And then she put my poem next to it to go in, to coincide with it. So it was a real honour, to be honest. You know, Absolutely. it's just amazing. You know, I I would consider myself a bit of a poet, to be honest, because I I was quite creative and I did a physiotherapy degree, and I yes. wasn't a writer. I even went to become a journalist. But back in the day in 1987, it was all poor, like very difficult to be a female in that industry it was all the couch so you know couch calling and you know pinching on the bum and it was yeah, a yeah. world I couldn't pursue that career yeah I'm a physiotherapist I failed my first assignment it was I described a ergonomic chair as having um beautiful purple and floral daisies on it and I I failed the assignment for being too purple prosaic <laughs> but you know I listen to your words and I am a lover of words and yeah, I was thinking, to be honest, that this might be a predictable kind of ditty type thing, and it's not. Yeah. It's oh, thank you. I've, I tried to I tried to change the style a little bit. Can I read you one more? Sure, sure. go for it. Yeah. Okay, so this is called. So when I post all these, when I post on on my Facebook forums, I get some beautiful responses, and I then tend to scroll through the faces of the guys that have said something. <clears throat> and um, so I wrote a poem about them, and this is called Stoic Masculinity. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Just need a drink. Drink of water. We might take one too. Stoic masculinity, that <clears throat> two pairing of words, it's awesome. Yeah, stoic masculinity. So um, this isn't a rhyming poem, and I've, I've developed, um, I'm really pleased that I'm able to express myself now without rhymes, because rhymes yeah, sometimes can sound like. Yeah, rhymes can sometimes sound a bit um, gimmicky. Yeah. So anyway, this is called Stoic Masculinity. Um, we hide behind our faces of stoic masculinity. Some afraid to smile from behind our manly beards, from behind our etched faces, faces of character, love and strength. Our masculinity hides a frailty of fear. It hides our ability to speak. It hides our inner expression and our willingness to share. Our pride of who we are and what we stand for our innate urge to protect, to guide and to provide. Somehow the loss of part of us, so, sorry, somehow the loss of part of who we are burns deep into the fibre of who we are, what it means to be us. Our stoic masculinity, so, something that we hold dear. We are more than the sum of one part. Take all that you want, but you'll not break us. You may bend us, but you won't break us. Fear is not weak. It's an emotion like any other. Tears are not weak. They're an expression of sorrow and loss. We are allowed to feel fear and we are allowed to show emotion and we are allowed to have pride in our stoic masculinity. And that's that one. That's great because I think you're right. It's like so many men feel as though they aren't allowed to be frightened and they're not allowed yeah. to. And just to give men 
be okay that it's all right to feel that way. It's all right to be scared, you know. It's, it is okay to be scared. I, I remember I heard one of your episodes a couple of weeks ago where one of the guys said, um, I think he was probably about six months, in, four months into his journey, and he said, look, I'm, uh, an erection's not going to define me. I'm going to be... Yeah. I'm going to be fine and all that sort of stuff. And I, I do agree with him, but losing your ability to perform um, intimately, it's it just, it kills the essence of who you are. It doesn't define you, but the essence of being a, a male, being a man, it's just, um, it's it can be devastating for some. Yeah. And I think that's right. For some people, it is devastating. And for other people, it genuinely isn't an issue. And I think- yeah. So- no right and no wrong about mm. either way. And I just think it's so important that we just go, we accept that, that for some mm. people these things are huge and for others they're not. And I always think I feel sad when I see heterosexual couples and the female partner says, it's okay if you don't ever get an erection again, I'll still love you and it really doesn't matter. And you look at the man's face and it often just drops because what mm. he hears is, my partner doesn't care if I can never be intimate with her again. But yeah. what she's really trying to do is just be kind. And I think, you know, it for us as women, I think we need to remember that if we were to be told we had to have a double mastectomy, mm. whether we are going to breastfeed again or not, it's still often a, a an idea of our femininity. And that's what men go through, I think, when they lose their prostate. Yeah, yeah. And men don't, but men don't talk about it. They mm. don't. They don't express. They they keep it inside, and that's the difference. Mm. When I'm on a I'm on a uh, an intimacy um, Facebook page where it's predominantly women, and they they love my poetry. Yeah, they can. Um, but I but I get more comments from them than I do from the guys on on the guys sites mm. um, because they express. There are probably more men listening. You just they don't click like. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you'll true. be silent even in that. Mm. but talk about but talk about it as well I mean talking about it I mean some people might like to be um quiet and and sit in the background and go through it by themselves but that's what I'm talking about they need to you need to talk about it especially those that are doing it tough but sometimes you need to listen right it is not everyone has the language the words but even if they listen to what you say what we say or another man then that's very healing yeah Yeah. because to, to show cracks in your armor especially I can think of all my Greek and European patients, they mm. will not disclose anything to anyone at any time, but you're helping them by listening even if they're not talking. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good point. And sometimes I'll see men who are obviously uncomfortable when they come to their first appointment and then they'll leave and I'll think, well, oh, that poor man, I think I just shocked him. I talk, told him all this stuff. And he Do you just think you shocked people, Melissa? I think so. Mm. He shot me about two days ago. I'll get <laughs> email from them a few days later when they've had time to think about it and say oh can I book another appointment it took me a few days to like process all of that but I really appreciate how honest you were and I'll go thank god because I thought I just shocked the poor man and he's never coming back you know what some people do as Joe said they just need to take time to listen and digest Mm. yeah yeah I called Frank there is one of the drug companies that had a program called Frank to help with the counseling side of it but Frank is what Melissa and I do. We we speak frankly to a bloke called Frank, you know. We we give the facts because yeah. every man could be a Frank. We know that one in six men will get prostate cancer. We know more men die with prostate cancer than 
um, of prostate cancer after a certain age, one in four over 85. But you know what? We have to be honest. We have to give you realistic expectations. We mm. have to speak frankly. Yes. Yeah, really good point. That's 100%. Um, some some guys will listen, though, and some guys will go over, straight over their head. You know, it's just some guys tend to um, hear what they want to hear sometimes. And my example before was, Three months to eighteen months. All I heard was three months. Yeah. I didn't hear eighteen months. I just you heard three. Months. I'm younger. Yeah. Old blokes that go to prostate cancer groups. Of course, I'm going to make it in three months. And then men will be competitive with themselves, like in golf. Everyone needs to get yep. score down, score down. Men love to measure. The longer the measurement in certain circumstances, a la the penis project title, or the shorter the length and how many pads, the lower the number. Yeah. Of they use. Yeah. Men love to measure. And especially yes. if they're engineers, you should see the spreadsheet spreadsheets I get on every single dot of urine that's ever leaked into a pad over ten years. <laughs> well, look when you say, when you say that when you say that, my brother, um, that's so so true. My brother um, had prostate cancer for six months before I did or his surgery. His friend recently had prostate surgery and damaged um, himself by over exercising. Yeah. And he said he over-exercised because he wanted to beat my brother oh. in getting out of pads. So he pushed it too hard and the muscle fatigues it. I say pushed it too hard, yeah. Pelvic floor is like a woman. If you don't give enough attention, it doesn't like it. If you give it too much, it doesn't like it. <laughs> oh, bit, that's bit, yeah. bit moody, that pelvic floor. I like that. Yeah, very moody. It's so very moody. So, Steve, where to for you now? Like, this is great. This is such an amazing outlet for you that other people benefit from. Where to yeah. for you now with all of this? Um, I'll just I'll just keep writing. I think I've got people who are listening to me. Um, I've started writing some other stuff. I I, I recite some poetry at a poetry club in Eltham in Melbourne now, um, and I try to throw in a cancer a prostate cancer one just to continue to get the message. I mean, there's 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 old gentlemen at that place mm. and I haven't asked them have they had a PSA test, but in my poetry and my prelude to a lot of them I do, I say, you know, um, this is for the guys out there who need to go and get tested and stuff like that. So I've just that's where I want it to go. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love I'd love for them to be published. I, I just want to know that they help people, that's mm. all. And I'm, I'm in a really small... Um, window of people who see them at the moment so yeah I want to get them out there so I'm actually going to completely ad lib here Melissa and I have been invited to go to the Australian New Zealand Urological Society meeting next March in New Zealand and I'm going to stay, swing by Melbourne on the way home yep you parked Domenico who's just in our last podcast he's going to join forces with the Continents Foundation of Australia to help their bins for blokes project so I'm going mm -hmm. to have a dipper and I think it might be nice to see if we could get even the the Physio Association and the Prostate Cancer Foundation, maybe, and Dipper even, who knows, potentially we could do a bit of a poetry night in the, towards the end of March over in Melbourne. Love to. It's, Love to. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'd like, I'm really trying to promote zero alcohol beer for many reasons. In yeah. Prostate cancer patients need to be careful, but there's no reason why we can't do something really small, um, share that around. Would something like that be something that, you know, we could kickstart? I could get the bins for blokes, people, the contents. We, we could do something small, but. Be mm. fabulous. I'd love to do something like that. Yeah. I'm gaining footy. a bit of confidence reading them now. So, yeah. Is there a footy team over there? Well, I back for the Swans, actually. My dad was brought up in South Melbourne. So, um, yeah, I'm a Swans man. Is there a, 
is there a club a membership base or something because it's nice to link the link the football world into it as well with different... uh oh look i'm I'm pretty involved in my uh, my my kids' hockey clubs, Doncaster okay. Hockey Club. Somewhere where um, you're connected to or something would be great. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk yeah. more about that later. But um, what I think is really um, good is that you've got these forty poems. But where is anyone getting access to them at the moment, and how could we help? Have you got a yeah? Look, the the only place that they get access to them is on my closed Facebook groups. Um, I posted that walking the beat one on my my Facebook page. So really that's that's my only outlet and reading them um at um at Poetry Nights. So yeah, I that, that's what that's where I'm at at the moment. I'd love to I'd love to see them moved. I'd love to I've see got a people good read idea. them. Steve, but I'll talk to you about it afterwards. I I'll talk to you when we're not in the podcast report. Yeah, yeah sure. wind the podcast up and then we will wind yeah. the podcast up. We might even um address that a little bit. But you know we we know that our patients are actually probably doing their own PhD on themselves. You're finding this, you're finding that, you're sharing it. We are busy doing what we do, but you are bringing another whole kind of perspective. And yep. that's the perspective that other people, especially men, can relate to. And I always say, Melissa and I will never go through it. We can't. Yeah. Mm. But it's, it's that little piece of the puzzle that you're talking about. Yeah, there's so much stuff here. So, Steve, as a takeaway, what, what would your takeaway message be to men? Uh, my takeaway message is just to take it early on. I won't say one day at a time. I'll take it, I'll say we'll take it one week at a time because it's hard to measure in daily doses what, mm -hmm. how you're tracking. Um, I'd say to them, seek as much support as you can, do as much reading as you can, take all the advice, use a pump, do your needles, don't be scared of needles, take your medication, keep yourself healthy, keep yourself reasonably fit um, and just clear your mind, you know. The, I don't know the statistics but most guys are probably going to come to a reasonable outcome in the end yeah. but when you're two or three... 97% will. Yeah, two or three months into the journey you just don't see that end. My erections have gone. My I'm leaking. I'm, you know, how the hell is this going to come back? You know, and it just it, it will. It, if you do the right stuff, it will. If you take care, you will. I'll just clarify. Sorry, the ninety-seven percent is is the cancer clearance rate. Mm. Yeah, and, and ninety-nine percent should get their continence without needing surgery, but they're yeah. you can still get fixed if you have ongoing leakage after a year. The sexual function. We've got Dr. David Dangerfield in episode 46 in at complete urology over there who can now rewire the nerves if after two years there's no recovery or you've got implant surgery it's about the quality of life because 97 percent of guys are going to live the rest of their lives otherwise unaffected by this and yeah. i'm hanging on about this but for the first time ever last year they released the november released the sexual health guidelines for care after prostate cancer wow which um I was a peer reviewer of and they've done an amazing job of them and at least worldwide. And I feel like now that is like raising a big flag to urologists and radiologists, radionks, radonks everywhere to, hey, it's not okay just to get rid of cancer. We actually do need to consider that these men need a good quality of life later. Yeah, yeah. And the, PCA, the PCFA now have a uh, nurse on call too, so... Mm -hmm. And one That's fantastic. Further, one step further is when I did a talk in South Africa in 2017, 
there was a physio in the audience called Pierre Rocher, and he heard me say, men have more concern long-term with their sexual function than their continence. And that man is doing a PhD. His papers are called Asking the Question, The Neglected Sexual Side Effects of Men Undergoing Radical Prostatectomy. And I've been fortunate to assist him in that research because wow. we have a questionnaire that doesn't even ask the questions mm. that you've got problems with. So therefore you can't even answer. Therefore, yeah. everyone's trying to do what's called evidence-based medicine. But if we don't even ask you the question, that's your problem. You can't even fill in the form. Yeah, but it's it's through guys like you and Victoria who are just changing the the scope. So just that's why I said at the start of the interview, I just can't thank you guys enough. Um, maybe you're a couple of pieces in my little puzzle. So you're an ounce. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> so Steve, thank you so much for reaching out to us to interview you because one way or another, we'll definitely publish some um, of the of your poems in the show notes. Yeah. But Joe and I have both got some other ideas about how you could get them out there. So and let's have a bit okay. of a pub night with no alcohol if we can. That'd be great. I'd love that. I really would. All right. Well, I'm going to chat to you later, but it, I'll be there around March 26th. I'm not going to end it. Let's just round it up and then we'll chat a bit more. But I've got, okay. I've got a little bit of poetry I want to share with you into every man, okay? It is Go. a couple of stanzas from If by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves, sorry, to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings, and risk it on one turn or pitch and toss or pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew oh. to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you in you except the will which says to them, hold on. And finally, if you can feel the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Beautiful. Brilliant. Thank you. I still think you did better than Roger, than Kipling. <laughs> but I only shared, I only shared two thirds of the poem. I'm sorry, but we will. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? Roger Kipling, Steve, the poet. <laughs> it's all, it's all helping humanity. Well, thank you. Appreciate so, Thank you so much for reaching out and being on the penis project. And we look forward to seeing what exciting stuff to do in the future and we'll certainly share it with our audience. Thank you. Absolutely my pleasure. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com com and you can start straight away or there's a link from the rs health website we would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men links to instagram and facebook are in the show notes we look forward to seeing you there 
So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man Victories become mine